We're going to turn to Scripture now, and uh, Maggie's going to read to us from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Isaiah 53. You, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our, our transgress- for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth but was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, Though he had, none, he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, just verses 13 to 15. It comes directly after the beheading of John the Baptist, the hands of Herod. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy some food for themselves. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
Father, we do praise you for this insight into the person of your Son, Jesus, to his life, compassion and service, his death of sacrifice. And we pray, Lord, that we, by your Spirit, might enter into that same Spirit that was in Jesus, and by the power of your love be transformed to become more like him. In his name we pray, and for his glory. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm the, I'm the third choice preacher this morning, I have to say. And originally it was going to be Anita. Uh, and, uh, and until yesterday, it was going to be Aidan, because both Anita, first of all, and then Aidan have to be self-isolating. And so I said, I can't come. So here I am, and I will do my best to bring something of God's word to us. What uh, has been read this morning speaks of the very nature of the Jesus who we're seeking to follow through the wilderness and who are aware of as we accompany him, as it were, on our journey through our lives. And this reading from the Gospel of Matthew is just one example from the life of Jesus where we see something of his sorrow and his suffering and his way of dealing with grief. And as in so many people today and over the centuries, when we encounter the horrific death, the sudden death, the tragic death of someone we are so close to, Jesus goes into the wilderness. He withdraws by boat this time to a solitary place, to that place that we are thinking of in this series in Lent. Jesus, his cousin John, who he grew up with, and they played as little lads, you know, in the mud and around the place and just go exploring the world and seeing these new flowers and learning the lessons and sharing insights from their discoveries in God's word or in the whole of life. The bonds must have been really close with John the Baptist. John the Baptist gave his life <clears throat> to be the forerunner of Jesus, to prepare the way for the Lord. And here comes Jesus now in his ministry, knowing what sacrifices John has made, seeing him make the ultimate sacrifice for standing for truth as he confronted the misdeeds, the, the way in which Herod had abused his position. Now Jesus feels the deep grief, maybe a sense of guilt, I don't know, about that whole episode. But he feels so deeply what had happened that he goes away privately. Don't you do that sometimes? You just have to get out, go for a really long walk, go to the hills, go to the place where you feel you can just be alone and process things and scream and shout or cry and take that time to just be in that place of numbness 
Jesus didn't have long in that place. Matthew records that as the crowds heard that he'd gone by boat, uh, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. They went all around the lake. And when Jesus landed, they'd all got round the other side. They saw a large crowd. Jesus' reaction, unlike what mine would have been, <laughs> is to have compassion on them. And he healed those who were ill. My basic instinct was, that, oh, not more people. But here is Jesus in his sacrificial love for those people, reaching out to them and doing that which they needed, not what he needed. And he goes on, as we read, as evening approached, the disciples came, that this is a remote place. And it's like, Jesus, I know, that's where I wanted to be. And they came to him and said, it's already now getting late. The crowds went away. Send the crowds away, said Jesus, so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Just send them away. But he knew that wasn't really in line with what God wanted. And of course, that was the prelude to what happened. As Philip said, there's a, there's a boy here with these little loaves and fish, and you know, what is that among so many? And so it went on to the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus pronouncing himself to be the bread of life, the one that can meet us at our point of need. And so through his sacrificial living and his sacrificial giving, the bread of life being that which is given, which is, as we have in communion, the taken, the blessed, the broken, the given bread that is feeding others. He feeds himself, his, 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 he feeds us with his life in sacrificial love. So Jesus foreshadows that in that great miracle. And so in his life, we see how Jesus, by his sacrificial living and his sacrificial giving, is giving us a model for how we too are called to live. All those things, of course, led up to the culmination of the greatest sacrificial act of love the world has ever witnessed and ever will. 800 years before Christ, the same spirit that was within Jesus gave the inspiration to the prophet Isaiah to pour out these words, speaking of a one who would be known as a suffering servant of the Lord, who would come and to give himself for others. The one who is despised, rejected, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, one who is despised, who we thought nothing of. And Isaiah writes, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Of course, 
This would have been staggeringly shocking to the people who were listening. The whole ritualistic culture of the temple where animal sacrifices were the things that took away the sin that people had committed. That was the way that in Leviticus God had prescribed for sin to be dealt with. A very inadequate way, a very uh, shadowy way, but nonetheless that was the way that they knew. You know how in that context the temple is, contains that huge altar on which animals were slaughtered. Animals that had been offered by God's people who were conscious of their sin and had brought those animals to be slaughtered as a substitute for the punishment that they themselves knew was right and just because of the things they had done wrong. Any sin, any rebellion against God was that which was worthy of death in the sight of a holy God. It was that which separated them from God and from his pure holiness. And so the ritual was that the animal would be brought to slaughter, sheep and goats, to pay for the sin or the guilt of a person. And as the animal was destroyed, burnt up, so the picture was that the sin of that person too would be destroyed until the next time that person needed to come back and seek forgiveness. And the next time, and the next time, the next time, the next time, the next time. On and on and on it would go. There was no end to people's sin. And there's no end, therefore, to that sacrifice. But here, we read of Isaiah pointing towards a time when a person, not an animal, would come and would take upon himself that sin and die in their place. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. By his wounds we are healed. And these were the words that Jesus embodied, fulfilled, took up and on the cross made a reality. It was his sacrifice that paid the penalty for our sin. Not just the sins of the people around him or the generations that were to come, but for every person who has ever lived. It's impossible to get your head around this. I, I really struggle to see how that can be. But it is a matter of, of faith and trust. And if you believe that the Bible says is, is, is God's word, then somehow this is the way that God has shown us that he has brought it, made it possible for our sin to be dealt with justly. Because Jesus himself 
did not have any guilt of any sin. He was a pure, spotless lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I was deeply moved when I was quite young and I first heard uh, Mickey Gumbel on Alpha talk about this illustration, which many of you may have seen, of, uh, of using a, a book uh, and his hands. And, and you might know the illustration well at sitting at home too, but I'll just uh, use it again because I think it's so vivid. And he said, if you imagine us in this hand, and on us we are placed in this book all the wrongdoing, all the things that we feel ashamed of, all the sin that we've committed. And this hand becomes, represents the pure person of God, the holy God. And you can see that between us, there is that separation between God and us because of the sin that is there. But the scripture says here in Isaiah 53, that all we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. We've done our own thing. We've just been selfish, self-centered. But, the prophet says, the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, who is God incarnate, come to earth, and God has laid on him the sin of us all, the iniquity of us all. And Jesus died, took our sin with him to the grave, rose again victorious in glory, and now lives with the Father and the Holy Spirit forever. We are still here, but our sin is gone. And now there is a way open between us, with no barrier dividing us. There is a way of communication, of relationship, the like of which we have never known before. That way has been made open by Jesus, who has taken our sin on himself, and made it possible for us to be in a relationship of holiness and purity because of his sacrificial grace. I want to say hallelujah. There's nothing greater that we could ever experience than having that gift of forgiveness paid for by Jesus. It's a new and living way, says the writer to the Hebrews, that has been opened up through Jesus' blood, a new and living way. We have a living hope. In Hebrews 10, verse 10, he's, the writer says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And that's the phrase that rings true to me today. Once for all. That's what Jesus did. He forgave all people. And his sacrifice was once. And not many times it was just once. But it was for all. Amazing, amazing, amazing truth. Vividly portrayed, again in that writer to the Hebrews, when he says, 
and the next verse, day after day, the priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered, that is Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Now here's the visual image. The priest is standing. It was always the work of the priest in the Old Testament to stand to perform those sacrificial uh, acts. Because in standing, he was portraying to everybody that he hadn't finished his work. He had more to do. Oh, here's another one. I better stand up and do this. Here's another one. Stand up and sacrifice that. Here's another one. Stand up and sacrifice that. It went on and on, again and again. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, notice he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down. In other words, he's saying, because he'd finished the work. He didn't need to stand up anymore. He'd finished. It had been done once and for all. Hallelujah. The right hand of God, the place of authority. And that was what Jesus did and waits now for his enemies to be made his footstool, the culmination of all things to be brought under his rule and reconciled to himself. So this Passion Sunday, may our prayer be that we too might enter into that spirit of sacrificial living and sacrificial giving, that spirit that we see all around us when people sacrifice their time for others, when they do so much to move in, to look after elderly relatives, when they give up massively paid careers to start a charity so that those in real need might be helped, when they offer their hospitality to people who don't have anywhere to go, when they visit people in prison or make possible for those people to be befriended, when on cap they go out of their way to befriend others and to give them food parcels and to volunteer for roles for which they're not paid where they pray consistently for people time and time again because of the love that Jesus is stirring up within them. May God's Spirit speak to us as to how we can become sacrificial in our living and our giving. But perhaps more than anything, to be thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus has made once for us and once for all. We're going to sing. We'll listen to a song that will enable us to respond like that. Let's stand together. Father, we pray that as we sing, as we respond in our hearts to this, these words, may you do something within us will transform us to become more like your son in gratitude for his gift of love and the peace that he brings. Amen.